I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Barrel Buddy. Um, Bob Wallace wrote in about Barrel Buddy. He said, I spent 40 years in law enforcement, first as a badge and gun federal agent, then as a private contractor. <gasps> Those evil private contractors. I, I used just about every product on the market to clean my firearm. This one is now my favorite. The circular cleaning with the bore cleans the grooves better than anything I've ever seen without the possibility of scratching the bore. It lives up to its claim. It is worth every penny. Nothing like a happy customer. Here's the thing. Barrel Buddy is made entirely in the United States. It's a company that shares your values and my values. It's a parallel economy that we're building and it has some great things in its favor. If you're serious about taking good care of your guns, Barrel Buddy is the way to go. It is, it's game-changing. Absolutely game-changing in cleaning your gun. Go to BarrelBuddy.com today. That's BarrelBuddy.com. Do it now. BarrelBuddy.com. America, welcome to Tuesday. Well, the New York Times has made a sobering admission about their coverage on Israel. Wow. So big of them to do this. Wait until you hear their apology in 60 seconds. So you're standing there in the store. You got a set of towels in your hands. Are you sure they feel soft? Do they even say absorbent on the tag? How great is that? Nah. Turns out, when you get home, not so great. The moment you get them home and you try to use them, they turn out to be like burlap. Not so much with my towels from my pillow. They actually work. They're soft and extraordinarily absorbent. And now, my pillow is announcing two brand new lines of my towels for you to try. They're made with amazing ring spun cotton, which makes them absorbent and soft. And you can get a six-piece towel set for an amazing introductory price at $29.98 with a promo code BECK. You can also get the designer premium line for just $20 more. Now, that would be the one my mother would purchase, you know, for company. That never comes over! No matter what you decide on, 
50% in savings. The towels actually work, which is a unique concept. To find this offer, just go to MyPillow.com. Click on the Radio Listener Special Square. Check out the new My Towel six-piece towel set. Get 50% in savings. Remember, enter the promo code BECK. Call 800-966-3117. It's 800-966-3117. MyPillow.com. The New York Times has issued an extensive mea culpa yesterday, admitting its journalist relied too heavily on claims from Hamas about the Baptist Hospital bombing. Wow. Surprise. You mean Hamas uh, wasn't telling the truth? The first headline declared Israel strikes and kills hundreds in hospital, Palestinians say. Second, at least 500 dead in strike on Gaza Hospital, Palestinians say. And the third, at least 500 dead in blast on Gaza Hospital, Palestinians say. Wow. Okay. So yesterday, I told you how to judge the news, right? How can you possibly trust? Who can you trust? And how can you possibly figure it out? I told you. The way to do that, and this is, this is applicable for your entire life, the way you do that is if someone can't get the big things right, you don't listen to them. For instance, if they've bought into the lie that men could be women. Okay, nope. So in this case, has the New York Times claimed that men could be women yes in fact they've claimed that people like uh, uh caitlin jenner is the most beautiful woman in the world now i've seen women my whole life and i've seen men wearing makeup and a dress and that's what that's what that is i mean god love bruce and and uh and what's her name caitlin caitlin God bless Caitlin. And I'd say that to her face. I'd call her Caitlin. But if she said, Glenn, you know, I'm really a woman. I'd say, Caitlin, no, I don't know that. You're a man. You're a man. And that's okay. Whatever. But I'm not going to deny the reality. Okay. If you can't get the big ones right, you should never listen to them. That's your family member. Nothing. If they can't, if they've already bought in to the lies, they're not going to be able to judge. And so you don't listen to them if they've ever lied to you. Now, this is a way now. Let me switch it around. This is the way the New York Times could have avoided this. Has Hamas ever lied to the New York Times? Yes, they have. Have they ever lied to the entire world? Yes, they have. Okay, I'm not going to take you as the source. I'll look for another source. Okay, it's just that easy. That stops you from having to do what the New York Times just did. Apologize to the world. It's not just the New York Times just didn't get it wrong. The New York Times leads the coverage in so much of America and the world. If the New York Times says it, it's so. And so when the New York Times came out immediately and said Israel bombed the hospital, 
People in newsrooms all over America and the world said, well, the New York Times says it, so it's got to be true. No. Has the New York Times ever lied to you about COVID? About its origins? About Anthony Fauci? About the Great Reset? About the caliphate? About anything? Have they lied to you? Yes, so dismiss them. And I really recommend for those who want to save journalism, they do the same thing. This is what the problem is. Nobody has learned. They, they were told that the Russia hoax was uh, Russia. It was real. They were told that that wasn't Joe Biden's son's laptop. It was. They've been told all these things over and over again by the same people who are telling them lies today. And they just keep accepting it. No. No. You lie to me once as a source. I'm done with you. Meanwhile, Rashida Tlaib triples down on her Gaza hospital bombing comments. She, of course, was quick to use the New York Times and saying even the Times said this. Now, there, there's all kinds of evidence that, uh, including in their own words, that it was the Islamists in Palestine that bombed the hospital by accident. Okay. So who are you going to believe? Well, it will depend on who you get your news from. If your news is friendly to Rashida Tlaib because she's a trusted source, you can't trust it. Every time we come out and we tell you the truth, we are penalized by big tech. We are penalized by the government and the state and big tech. In July, I produced a special on the Great Reset, and I posted a clip uh, from it to Facebook. The clip received a false fact check from Facebook. The fact that they they linked to had nothing to do with what I was talking about in the video. Nothing. But that didn't matter to Facebook. And ever since that Facebook check, my Facebook page has been completely throttled, almost choked out of existence. The reach of my videos has dropped by 90% and still hasn't recovered. Earlier this summer, Lauren Chen posted a video to Blaze TV YouTube channel where she said something totally obvious about transgenders, uh, transgender issue, something we all agreed on six seconds ago, but it's now considered hate speech. Well, YouTube removed the video and locked down the channel for a week. Then they threatened that if they didn't stop misgendering people, they would demonetize the channel entirely. Sarah Gonzalez at The Blaze had the audacity to state a perfectly obvious fact about gender on YouTube. The powers that be decided she needed to be silenced. Her content was removed. She was locked out of her YouTube channel, and her channel will remain demonetized unless she deletes dozens of videos from her channel. During the pandemic, nobody, nobody was more on point about what was going on than Daniel Horowitz. 
From the Wuhan lab leak to the insane mask mandates, Horowitz was one of the earliest voices exposing the lies that fueled our response to the pandemic. As a result, virtually every one of his columns had to be kept off Facebook and Twitter. Google demonetized every single one of his COVID articles and buried them so deep in their search algorithm that it was almost impossible for anyone to find. Of course, Horowitz has been proven right again and again, but he has become blacklisted by big tech. His content is still being throttled. We have got to find a way to get away from big tech. After we reported on Hunter Biden's laptop story, NewsGuard labeled us as a, quote, super spreader of misinformation. Over a story that turned out to be 100% true? That's how big tech and our ruling elites do it. They decide what they want to suppress, and then they use all sorts of tactics and leverage, and they leverage all of the players in big tech to crush it. All of this is why we're announcing today what we've announced. We need to do battle against big tech. We have to have the audacity to post anything on the platforms that we invested our own time and money to grow. That's the way it should be. We believe something is true. Then you fight it out in the battlefield of ideas. You don't silence people. We cannot have platforms that they can touch. We have to have a platform they can't touch. They can't influence and they cannot silence. I want you to go to subscribe.blazemedia.com. Subscribe, Blaze Media, subscribe.blazemedia.com and help support the work we're doing together. We need you to uh, support our efforts. We have gone all commercial free. All ad-free on TheBlaze.com. See it. We have also done something else. We have upped our uh, commitment to content. Hopefully, you have already visited TheBlaze.com. You've seen the new website design, elevated content, no ads whatsoever. But that's not all that we have in store for you. More on that in a minute. Jason wrote in about his dog's experience with rough greens. He says Ginger loves rough greens. She's four and she can be a picky eater. But with rough greens, she eats her food immediately and she keeps more energy and she's more regular. Can, can I just ask that we don't talk about the regularity of dogs? I mean, is that too much to ask? Uh, rough greens keeps her heating, eating healthy. Sounds like ginger, uh, started enjoying rough greens right out of the gate. And now I'm glad that she's so regular, uh, rough greens, not a dog food. It's a supplement developed by naturopathic Dr. Dennis black that you sprinkle on the dog's food. Remember brown food is dead food. You want the greens. That's why it's called rough greens. And it is actually green. The folks at Rough Greens are so confident your dog is going to love it. They have a special deal. Just go to Rough Greens, R-U-F-F Greens.com slash Beck. That's Rough Greens.com slash Beck. 
or call 833-GLENN33. That's 833-GLEN33. Your first trial bag will be free. You just pay for shipping. So call them today, 833-GLEN33 or roughgreens.com slash Beck. 10 seconds, station ID. This is how big tech and our ruling elites do it. They decide they want to suppress a story and they use all sorts of tactics and they leverage all the players in big tech to crush it. We have been demonetized more times than I can count for telling the truth about COVID, the BLM riots, government corruption, vaccine safety, that's a big one, and so many more. Stories that we were willing to take the hit on because they were things you needed to know about. We've been demonetized over and over. And honestly, fine, who cares? But what does matter is the truth. Every time they demonetize a story or label it as misinformation and lies, they just suppress it so no one gets to hear the actual truth. Most Americans get their news on social media, in their feeds, and big tech uses the demonetization and misinformation labels as tools to make sure those stories never get to your feeds. Well, we're sick of it and we've decided to get rid of them entirely. We've removed all ads on Blaze News because we've decided rather than being dependent on ad exchanges, we'd rather rely on you. And we're investing in more quality content like expert analysis, insightful commentary, and real authentic investigative reporting. Go to theblaze.com to check out the all new ad-free experience and see for yourself. I think you're gonna love it. So there is something that we're also very excited to tell you about, uh, and that is Blaze Originals. This is a new docuseries that uncovers untold stories, shed light on hidden truths, and will provide fresh perspectives on the most critical issues of our time. We are not going to apologize for the approach. We are bringing you the stories that demand attention, stories that the mainstream media tries to bury. We will ask the questions no one else will seemingly ask. In Blaze Originals, you're not going to find spin, political correctness, hidden agendas. <laughs> Our agenda is the truth, because truth has no agenda. What you'll find is raw, unfiltered journalism. Our first episode is dropping very soon, and it's about the fires in Lahaina. In this episode, we aim to reveal the truth that the authorities and mainstream media seem to want to conceal. We investigate the suspicious, that's hard, easy for you to say, suspicious circumstances surrounding the fires, seeking the answers to the questions that have left many in the community asking, what sparked these blazes? What could be hidden in their destructive path? Here's a quick preview. The deadliest wildfire in modern U.S. history. The story didn't end with the wildfire. It started with it. 911 emergency may help you. Is there an like, evacuation order? And if you have to evacuate, where the f*** are we supposed to go? I can't believe this. I can see the powers that be wanting to just erase everything. Could it be that there are nefarious interests that wanted Lahaina to go away? This would be a interesting investigative lead. 
I'm already thinking about ways for the state to acquire that land. We were second class citizens. Lahaina has been raped long enough. People died because there were roads that they couldn't escape and that they didn't know. We gotta get out of here. Just go. I have this survivor's guilt, but I still have a roof over my head. They wanted us to forget the story, but we didn't forget. We're trying to evacuate, but there is no, there is like no way out. The first um, episode uh, will will be on Lahaina and what really happened, and that comes out in the beginning of November. We hope to do, I don't know, 10 or 12 of these. Uh, some of them will be hosted by me as we have uh, put an entirely new team on investigative work. Um, when I do it, it'll be part of my investigative team along with the Blaze investigative team because we are going to go deep to try to unveil the truth. Um, we're also very excited to introduce something else, and I'll do that uh, next hour. We're doing these things. By the way, all of this, if you're already a member of the Blaze, you get all of this. Um, but if you're not a member of the Blaze, we would ask that you would become one. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn, I think. There is a, a new... Um, there is a, a new... Uh, web address yeah it's blaze tv.com slash glenn you're going to get 36 dollars off your subscription with the promo code glenn plus glenn plus um this is for blaze tv plus uh you can access the website at any time at theblaze.com and you can see all of the news commercial free you'll be able to have access to that even if you don't uh subscribe but we would ask that you would. Um, the extra money that we'll be asking for is $4 for the website. And uh, that is going to go to help uh, hire all of the people that we've already hired. So please don't, <laughs> please don't prove us wrong. Um, but uh, it goes to all of the extras that we're going to be doing because we're going to double down. It is, it is high time that the mainstream media starts to respond to us, has to answer to us. My whole career, I have had to answer to the mainstream media. Why? They have no credibility and no one is watching them. It's time for someone to lead the way. We need your help doing it. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn, promo code Glenn Plus. Do it now. Another thing that we want to excited to announce, we're going to announce next hour. So stand by. The Glenn Beck Program. Trying to lead a normal life when you're dealing with pain day in and day out is sort of like trying to inflate a hot air balloon with a hand pump. Uh, yeah, not going to not really going to work. Uh, if there if there is a way out of pain, would you want it? What if you would just try it? Because I didn't think it would work. But it did for me. If you've been dealing with pain, please give Relief Factor a try. 70% um, of the people who take Relief Factor find out that it works for them. Now, that means there's about 30% that they don't find any relief. 
I think it's worth 20 bucks to find out if you're the one that finds relief. Don't you? Take it as directed for three weeks. After that three weeks, you'll be able to see whether it works or not. If it does work, just keep on taking it. ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com. You can call them at 800, the number 4 relief. 800 for relief or relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. If you're not already a subscriber of Blaze TV, go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Get $36 off your subscription with the promo code Glenn Plus. That's the word plus, not the symbol. Glenn Plus, P L U S. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. I am always encouraged by people that are willing, when they learn something, to change. Um, Too many are not. Uh, And that includes people like me. I have learned things. And if you are honestly seeking knowledge, you're honestly seeking truth, you're bound to change from time to time. Uh, It's essential that you do. Otherwise, you get stuck in old thinking uh, and you you lose the ability to help really quite honestly. Uh, Dr. Tabia Lee, she was uh, the head of a college DEI program. So you would immediately say, gee, Glenn, why are you having Dr. Tabia Lee on? Um, Because she's somebody who went in and found that this is really harmful. This is not actually making sure all voices are heard. Uh, And she left and has been in a lawsuit uh, with her former college. But I I wanted to talk to her because, A, I respect her. B, uh, she's also talking about anti-Semitism on the campus. Dr. Tabia Lee, welcome to the program. Hi, Glenn. Thank you for having me today. You bet. This must be weird because I bet you never thought I'd find myself hanging out one morning with Glenn Beck, but (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so, uh, so doctor, tell me what your experience was. Yes. Um, you know, when I was hired at De Anza college as a faculty director, um, it was after many years of working in higher education as a, as a part-timer, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, after I got my doctorate, those those job offers, you know, for the tenure track just didn't come pouring in like I thought they would. <laughs> mm. um, but the one silver lining of the pandemic for me was that, um, you know, all of these positions opened up um, and, you know, colleges needed extra hands, if you will. Um, and I was one of those folks that was hired on. And it was a, a job that, you know, had a job responsibility and title that, you know, everyone had kind of always said, Lee, you need to be like a director somewhere, you know, you don't need to just be in your classroom anymore. You need to share your knowledge with a wider, you know, group of colleagues and and impact an institution. And and this was a a job that provided me with an opportunity to do that position as a faculty member. And um, so the things that that took place almost immediately uh, as I began to do my work, 
um, let me know that I was in an environment that I had never been in before. Um, and it was like I was in a, in a twilight zone almost. Uh, it was immediate within two weeks after, you know, starting, starting my work. So when, when you took the lead role on DEI, what did you think it was? Yes. Yeah, so this was a, a, a position to lead a facu- uh, um, an institution-wide transformation around three topics, which was my office role. Um, equity, social justice, and multicultural education. Hmm. And when I interviewed for it, it was a lengthy process. And, and you know, I was uh, very forthright with them about who I was, and they kind of revealed to me some of their pain points. And one of the things they said was, uh, the panel said was, um, you know, the office you'll be working for, they're a little too woke. And, you know, that's why we're looking for someone to come in and bring a balance. And I said, well, can you tell me what you mean by woke? <laughs> because people use words all the time. And, um, they have different meanings for them. And so I'm always someone who's looking to get at the heart of what is someone actually talking about? And they said that, well, when faculty goes to your office, you know, if you're selected as a candidate, um, they feel uncomfortable. They're accused of being racist. Um, they're told that they're teaching wrong. Um, and so a lot of faculty doesn't engage. And I said, well, based on that definition that you're telling me, you know, I'm definitely not woke. <laughs> um, you know, what I seek to do is I seek to bring people together from diverse and divergent perspectives and, you know, um, and to identify points of commonality. Um, even if we seem really different, I think we can always find a way to serve our students. And so that was, you know, my statement. And from that, I advanced to the next stage and I did even a teaching demonstration for them on calling people in instead of calling out. Um, and so everything was focused on that, you know, point that they raised about the negativity coming from the office. And I was selected uh, for that position. And I was delighted to be selected because this was, again, you know, uh, things I focus on, uh, an opportunity to bring mm-hmm. people together in dialogue and make a positive change in the community. How long did it take you before you were called the wrong kind of black person or uh, hmm. quoting a dirty, uh, dirty Zionist? Oh, yes. So that was uh, within two weeks. Um, You know, as I started off, Glenn, I'm someone who I don't assume I know anything or that I have a solution going in. I want to see what people on the ground are saying. So um, I did over 60 hours of needs assessment conversations um, with faculty, administrators, staff. And during this, one of my first ones was with one of my staff members. And they told me that, you know, this job, they were a final candidate. Um, this job should have been theirs. And they said, um, you know, they don't know who I am or what my commitment to equity is and, you know, why I've come in um, and swooped this out from under them. But they assured me that I would have a rough road ahead of me. And from that, that was the same person who a couple of weeks after that initial meeting with them, um, while I was meeting with my team, we had already had some kind of informal meetings, you know, um, and it just seemed like they were a very casual group. And, and remember, I needed to do some strategic planning to do an institution-wide transformation. And so I, I wanted to bring some structure. And so I said, um, you know, great. It's been great meeting with everybody, you know, past couple of weeks and so forth. Um, just tell me a little bit about how you all take notes. How do you, you know, um, track what you've done in the past, what you're doing in the future? And they said, oh, we just kind of meet and we, we talk once a week. And I said, well, I, I've made this Google Doc and all of us can edit it. 
Um, and, you know, you can put in ideas for agendas. And, and since I'm so new, maybe you can tell me some of your projects that you're working on and I can see where I can fit in. And the same person who told me my job should have been theirs, um, they said, stop what you're doing right now. And I was like, kind of taken aback. I was like, okay. I said, what? And I said, okay, I'm listening. And he said, what you're doing right now is you're white speaking, you're white explaining, and you're supporting white supremacy. And we don't do that here. And I said, wow. Excuse me? And, and I, you're, you're African-American, right? I just want to make sure. That, yeah. Yeah. yeah yes. okay. And I, I've worked in education my whole life, Glenn. No teacher or I've, I've never been in a meeting where someone called another person a, a white speaking, white explaining and, and said white and called them a white supremacist. And I'm from the Central Valley here in California. I grew up there, a small town called Lodi. Um, and there, when I when we hear white supremacists, it's actual like KKK members, white national right. socialists is what that refers to. And so. I was deeply offended and, and everyone on the call, you know, had these smug looks on their faces. And I said, you know, I haven't come in here saying any, calling anyone names, you know, I said, this is, uh, I, I feel very uncomfortable with what you said. And I just explained to them what I explained to you, where I'm from and how I've heard that used. Um, and everyone on the call had these looks of condemnation as though I was offending the person who said those offensive words to me. Um, know this story. And this is, Yes. And I and I took it back to my dean, you know, afterwards. And I said, you know, hey, this happened and her affect was flat. She had no response. And I said, you know, I'm real uncomfortable. Um, normally, I'd be the person who would do some kind of team building or, you know, a communications exercise. But I said, but I'm the target. I said, I need you to bring someone in to talk to this team about, you know, in-group bias and how do you let a new person in and how do you talk to each other with, you know, civil in a civil way. Um, and and then, um, you know, and, and I need this to be repaired. I said, because this we can't communicate this way. This is not uh, normal to me. It's very abnormal. Um, she never brought anyone in, um, and I asked her if she would come, and then she ended up being uh, one of the main instigators as well. Um, so that's just that was the environment that started off with my supervising dean and my team. Um, you know, me being called a white supremacist, and you know, and, and I didn't know what they meant until many weeks later. Um, you know, I saw they. I started going to their workshops, and I kept seeing this slide pop up, and it said white supremacy culture characteristics. And one time it had a citation on it. And so I was able to find the white paper where it came from. But it had things, Glenn, like um, being on time, um, being objective, <laughs> yep. um, setting an agenda. Yep. Yeah. And these are like personality characteristics. Mm -hmm. And I said, what is that? But, but at our California community colleges, that's being held up as a framework for people to work from, and they're, they call it that they're dismantling uh, white supremacy. And the way that they're doing it is by not elevating those characteristics and, I guess, uh, castigating anyone who, who demonstrates them. And to me, all the characteristics were things I had always taught my students to do to be successful in life. They're exactly not white right. supremacy. Exactly you know, right. These are just, you know, yes. so I just, that's how it started. That's how it started, and from there... It um, at every turn, it was becoming clear that I was working from a different understanding of social justice, uh, right. you know, from them. And I had to really 
figure that out while I was in it, which was an interesting thing because, again, all my institutions I had worked at before, you know, they, they, they use a classical definition, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, um, But, you know, here they were using a, a critical definition, and it, it was this focus on, you know, claiming that America is a white supremacy, uh, a nation founded by white supremacy. Um, that's one of their core things that they put, even the academic Senate made a resolution stating that. Um, and I pushed back on that. That made me an enemy again. I said, you know, no, America's found it to me and to others here. And I, they're too afraid to speak because the environment you all have created. I said, it's founded on fairness and equality. You know, whether we've lived up to it or not is something we can all debate. But I wow. disagree. I said, that in there. And they said, no, we were, we're rejecting that. It's found on white supremacy. That's final. And they put that in a resolution that the faculty signed. You are an absolute unicorn. Um, hang on, because I, <laughs> I want to take a quick break and come back and just have you quickly tell the story about what you found with the with the uh, anti-Semitism on uh, the campus as well. Back in just a minute, out of the terrible tragedy of 9-11 came the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, which is committed to helping our nation's heroes and their families in their darkest hours. Tunnel to Towers is there to support the families, our first responders and our veterans when they don't come home or they're severely injured in the line of duty. The foundation will pay off their mortgage. It lifts their financial burdens. And through their Gold Star Family Home Program, their fallen first responder program, they do exactly that and give the family stability. With their Smart Home Program, catastrophically injured veterans and first responders can get their independence back with a mortgage-free home that is specially adapted to meet their unique physical needs. Through their Homeless Veterans Program, Tunnel to Towers has helped over 2,000 people this year stay off the streets of their country that they signed up to protect. Please join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Can you help by donating $11 a month at tunneltotowers.com? That's T, the number two, T, dot org. Sorry, uh, T2T dot org. That's uh, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Well worth your time. Well worth $11 a month. T, the number two T, dot org. Glenn Beck. Dr. Tabia Lee is with us. She is a senior fellow now at Do No Harm uh, Medicine. Uh, and she was at um, some universities or uh, some, uh, uh, what would you call it, just college or is it a technical college? I'm sorry, Tabia. So this was a community college, community California college. Community College. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, you, were, um, you were experiencing, as the DEI director, you're experiencing, uh, wow, uh, they don't define things the same. Then you started noticing, because you were talking to students, what's happening, and several Jewish students came and said, I feel unsafe here. And what happened? Actually, um, actually this, was during, um, this was during my needs assessment conversation. So this was conversations with faculty, um, mm-hmm. staff, and administrators. Multiple times it was mentioned that there was a problem with anti-Semitism on the campus. Um, and they gave, gave me several examples, like the academic calendar starting uh, for decades on uh, Jewish high holy holidays. 
uh, stories were shared with me about things that happened before I came. Um, our student government um, basically subverted a uh, effort of the Jewish Student Union to bring forth a definition of anti-Semitism, the IRA definition. Um, instead, the uh, student government ended up uh, making a counter proposal, and then they made no definition of anti-Semitism, but they condemned Israel. Um, and so that was very disappointing to the students. Um, I also heard about the students um, uh, being uncomfortable because of anti-Semitic flyering. This is all before I got there, you know, and pe people were sharing these stories with me. Um, and telling me the environment of fear and exclusion that have been created for uh, Jewish students. And I was on, as part of my director responsibilities, a group called the Equity Action Council. And uh, what I discovered there, Glenn, uh, they, they weren't focused on equity. To me, equity means fairness, the, the textbook definition. They were talking about something completely different. Um, and then they weren't focused on action either. Uh, so it was a big time waster on the taxpayer dollar. Um, mm. that, and this group gets funding too. And um, our local Hillel um, director came to the Equity Action Council and uh, they shared information about, you know, the uncomfortable environment for students. And they asked, they urged us please to act and they offered to assist. And they gave us some recommendations in written form because uh, they said they, they had come and talked to several people, you know, before and nothing ever happens. And they were hoping, you know, that, that, to see some changes. When we took these recommendations back to our team meeting, um, I said, wow, you know, I'm first I'm offended uh, by the way that one of the staff members, as these guests were talking, they were dropping resources into the chat box like uh, here's a link to Students for Justice for Palestine. Uh, this is a good mm. resource to learn about anti-Semitism. Um, here's a link to Jewish Voices for Peace and so forth. They were wow. giving um, things, resources that were antithetical to what the people were speaking about. And I said, I found that disrespectful. And, and, and they said, well, it wasn't disrespectful. You you and your guests, they, call, they called it, were sharing resources. So we shared ours. Oh, my gosh. And I said, I, okay. I, I, I tell you, I would, will you please come in? I would love to do a podcast with you where we could spend, you know, an hour uh, without commercial interruption. So, so you and I can really talk because I find you fascinating, brave. Uh, what you're doing now is brave. I can't imagine what you've gone through uh, and refreshing. So could I invite you in? I would love to. Yeah. Great.